Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about prenatal bonding. We now know that babies are conscious while in the womb. They can hear sounds, learn, form memories, and respond to your stress. So, can connecting with your baby before birth make for better pregnancies and healthier babies? And how do you go about doing that? Dr. Jay Warren tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video. Created by breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher, this video will show you what you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thank you, as always, for listening and for all the love you give the show. I truly, really appreciate your comments and the requests for topics that you send me and, of course, your reviews since those help get the show in front of even more parents. So if you enjoy what you hear, then please consider leaving a review in iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to the show. Like, for example, what Hollywave did recently saying that, quote, this podcast was so helpful during my pregnancy and continues to be a source of great information and support for postpartum and parenting. Please keep it coming. I love the wide range of speakers and find it find it complements more conventional medical practices for a well-rounded knowledge base. Thank you. Thank you. End quote. And thank you so much, Hollywave, for this. I really appreciate it. All right. Today on the show, I have Dr. Jay Warren, who has dedicated his career to helping people live happy and healthy lives and now specializes in wellness care for pregnant women and babies. Dr. Jay practices at the CAP Wellness Center, which is a fully integrated, multidisciplinary, prenatal, postpartum, and pediatric wellness center in San Diego, California. He is a member of the ICPA, which stands for the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, and APA, which is the Association of Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health. So that APA is A-P-P-P-A-H. He's also the host of the podcast, Healthy Births, Happy Babies, where he talks to experts in the natural birth and holistic parenting field every week. Dr. J also likes to enjoy an active lifestyle as a surfer, a yogi, and a volleyball player, although he's becoming more of a runner now that his son Nico is almost three years old. Jay, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, it's so great to be here. I've, I have to say, as a fellow podcaster, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and I'm happy to be on your podcast. Yay! And you know, it's so funny because I was so happy that you were he that, that we connected and we were making this happen. Not only for the opportunity to talk about prenatal bonding with baby, but also because I I also love what you do with your podcast, Healthy Birth, Happy Babies. And I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way that we're going through similar motions week after week, talking to birth professionals to help you know new and expectant parents get the info they need to have their better birth experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I love podcasting. It's been amazing talking to these amazing people throughout the birth community that are so generous with their time and sharing their wisdom. And as you know, your listeners are hungry for this type of information. So the more ways that we can 
have it out there, I believe, the better, you know, like our listeners being able to just scroll through and find the info they need so they can just have a much better pregnancy, much better birth and start off parenthood really strong and healthy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the convenience of that listening on the go, multitasking while you're doing other things. It's yeah, I, I love this medium. So I'm happy you do too. Yes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so talking about prenatal bonding, let's step back a little bit and talk a bit about the field of prenatal and perinatal psychology. Like, what is that about? Right. Well, it's it's a it's an amazing world. I mean, it's as far as a psychological um, profession or field or discipline, I should say, uh, it's really relatively new. It's about 30 years old. Um, as you mentioned, APA, which is the Association of the Prena- Perinatal and Prenatal Psychology, um, that field really was developed um, by Dr. Thomas Fernie and Dr. Chamberlain um, back in the 70s and 80s. And it's really as psychologists, they were looking not only at like postpartum health of the mom um, and, you know, prenatal health of the mom, uh, psychologically speaking, but they were starting to see that the prenatal experience, the birth experience, and especially in the first few months, um, but definitely up into the first couple of years, affecting the baby and really imprints upon the baby certain experiences and certain belief systems that affects their psychology. It doesn't determine it, but it, um, it influences it. And I found that subject so fascinating. And I see so many pregnant women here at the Cap Wellness Center and babies after they're born. And I can see how important that time is. And to be able to have a conversation with a a family saying, okay, this prenatal experience, it's really important for the physical development of your baby, obviously. And a lot of parents are really kind of focused on that. Like what food should I eat and what kind of nutritional should I take? And I, am I getting enough water and exercise? Those are absolutely vital, important, um, aspects of the prenatal experience, but really people are starting to understand that stress during the pregnancy can have a really big effect on the baby. And then as parents, they want to make sure their babies aren't so stressed. So those first couple months are easier. So jumping into this world and being a part of APA, and I'm also a student in their um, educator program right now, learning about these amazing studies that have been done showing how these experiences really can shape and mold our little baby. Is, is just something I'm really excited about. It's it's amazing what's out there. And intuitively, I find parents really are, you know, kind of getting, I guess, some research showing like, oh, that makes sense. And that's kind of what I felt as I was um, um, going through my pregnancy and how it might affect my baby. Um, but then also, um, beyond the psychological realm, this world is also really diving into epigenetics. And if your listeners aren't familiar with that, epigenetics is really a new field showing how it's not just your genes, the DNA that shapes your baby's health. Uh, it's really the influences on that DNA, the epigenetic factors, those influences that determine what genes are turned on and which genes are turned off. And that really can shape and mold uh, your kiddo. And you have much more control over that than just hoping that the sperm and the egg that your baby got, hopefully they were, those were good ones. So right. we're, we're seeing that, um, especially with um, trying to manage stress and the type of stresses that are going on in the pregnancy has been really important for the baby's growth and development later on down the line. Mm, 
And for me, the when I learned about epigenetics, that kind of was an aha moment that brought together all sorts of things because we constantly have this dichotomy or is it nature or nurture, nature or nurture? And epigenetics, in a way, bridges that gap by saying, well, it depends. It's sure nature, what genes you have, but depending on how you're nurturing it through the environment, then some genes might turn on or not. And that's it happens as soon as in utero. Right. And it's, you know, a long time ago, and this is when I first started, you know, when I was an undergrad and studying biology and then going to chiropractic school. And this was in the 90s, the, the genetics classes and the way genetics was being taught there really was, here's your DNA. This is how your body's going to express yourself. Hopefully everything's going well. And then as the science developed, they realized that even the conservative people within the um, biological realms, they were talking about your genes determining 50% of your health and well-being. And even then, 50% is controlled by the um, by your experiences about the foods you eat, the, um, the exercise you have, the thoughts you think, that's a big chunk um, to be able to take more responsibility for your health rather than just taking the victim approach of, oh, my dad and mom gave me some bad genes and I just have to deal with it. But now, you know, working or looking at the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's really at the forefront of this, um, this field, is saying that may, maybe only 2% of your health and well-being is controlled by other genes because the the environment is that important. And that's it gives parents, I think, a lot more responsibility, <laughs> which mm-hmm. can trigger some stress and some guilt maybe, but it also really should be empowering because it shows, okay, well, this is, you know, my parenting is really going to be shaping and molding this physical body and this emotional body that's going out into the world. And let's do everything we can to make sure it's as, as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm, absolutely, that it's not just you're stuck with what you got. Yeah, cause nobody wants to you know be in a spot there. Even if you do have, you know, a genetic mutation that um, requires some sort of medical intervention, there's still a lot that can be done around it to help influence it for the better, rather than um, just kind of succumbing to that health challenge. Mm, absolutely. So within you, what you've found in terms of the research. What are those things that sort of have us realize that indeed life in the womb impacts the psychology of the person that's in there? Um, And and how is it? Because usually we think, and not usually, but traditionally we've thought of baby as growing, but more of just a, a you know a little blob in there that's hanging out and growing and waiting to come out. When this kind of shifts things and puts it into that, it is a person that's in there that has feelings and can interact with, and memories and can interact with the environment that will come out. But you're already parenting while they're inside. Right, exactly. And I mean, I think all parents, especially new parents know, well, they get all kind of notices week by week on like say baby center or that app or whatever, where they're showing, you know, the physical maturation of the baby, you know, this week, the baby's the size of an orange and they're, you know, fingers and toes are starting to move those kind of things. But what the APA and other areas in epigenetics are showing as far as, um, you know, embryological development is that along with those physical structures being grown and developed, 
the brain is also developing and it's syncing up with those physical structures and, you know, to be more practical about it, you know, I think a, a great example is around hearing, you know, at a certain stage of development, the ears, not only are physical form, but they've been able to detect now, which is absolutely incredible that babies can hear at a certain week. I don't know exactly what that week is. It's in the uh, middle of the second trimester, but that means that babies can respond to sound in their environment, and that means the sound that mama is subjected to. So if there's loud sounds around, they'll see the fetus, the baby moving around and um, in a more anxious way. Or if the baby seems to be anxious and moving around and you play soft, soothing music, like classical music or something soft, the baby will calm down. And so that shows that the baby's responding to the environment. And further on down the line, there's been studies that have shown how memories can be formed even early on in the third trimester. There's a anecdotal story that I love around um, Dr. Seuss, actually, where moms were given uh, cat in a hat to read to their babies in utero. And at a certain week, they were told to stop reading that book aloud to their babies. Um, and I think the latest, the latest study I saw was they stopped at 34 weeks. And then they went through the rest of the um, pregnancy, the baby was born, and then they in a scientific way to measure whether the baby was responding or not. I don't know exactly what those variables were, but they, the mom again read the book and the baby responded in a way that they remembered those words and that maybe not the words themselves, but the rhythm of it. And so it shows that as early as 34 weeks and most likely it's even sooner, babies are not only responding to their environment, but they're, they're creating memories. And so you know, taking it on a bigger picture rather than just, you know, remembering books that were read or songs that were heard, then memories of stressful experiences, positive experiences of traumas that might be, um, the mom might have experienced during the pregnancy, your baby's responding to that as well and processing through that as well. So I think it's important for moms to, you know, think about that uh, around, you know, if you've had a stressful week during your pregnancy, your baby's been right there with you and your baby's experienced that as well. So not only do you need some downtime and some, you know, some relaxation time to de-stress that week, but your baby's going to need that as well. And I, at the moms that I talked to about this very thing, it, it really like their light's the lights kind of go on around this. And at first they're like, Oh no, I'm stressing my baby out. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm hurting them already, but it allows them to make a different choice rather than, you know, as so many of the women that I work with here, you know, they're, they're working moms and they have great careers and they're very passionate about that. And there's an element of, okay, well, as soon as I'm, as soon as the baby's here, then I'll throttle down and I'll have my maternity leave and I'll be able to start that more relaxing lifestyle then once baby's here. But right now I got stuff to do and they're living kind of a type A personality, well, or a type A type of life. And their babies are going through that. So the baby's really being prepared for the world as a type A type of world. And so if a mom can really kind of start nurturing the baby right from the get-go around the world that they're coming into and and, and shaping that in a, a more positive way rather than a busy, stressful way, it's going to make the baby um, that much more calm and bonded when a baby comes into the world. Mm -hmm. And when the babies experience this stress, is it because it, as a 
through a hormonal response being that as mom is stressed, her cortisol levels rise. And then that is kind of what babies is, is sort of macerating in. And then their levels rise. Is that how it works or how, yeah, how is it that yeah. babies feel the stress? Well, it's definitely, I mean, as far as our current way of testing and understanding and studying at the hormonal levels, we can definitely see that response. I definitely believe like in a kind of a bigger energetic sense of getting a, a feel for things, babies affecting that as well. But specifically the hormonal response is, has been measured in babies in utero that matches mom's response. And that, that makes sense, you know, that these hormones are crossing the placenta, they're going into um, the baby's um, blood supply that's going into the baby. And so they're subjected to the same things. You know, they're, it's not that the placenta is this huge filtration device that keeps all the bad stuff out. It does a lot of work like that and can help nurture the baby. But a lot of these stress hormones, the cortisols, the uh, adrenalines, they pass through the placenta. We know that. And so the, you know, to think of a mom's, you know, say a mom's going along and has, you know, a huge stress reaction and gets that adrenaline rush. It might be they thought of something they forgot to do or, you know, sirens are in their rear view mirror or, you know, something stressful happens. That adrenaline rush that the mom feels, that adrenaline and that cortisol levels, those hormones are going into the baby as well. So the baby's going to have the same type of physiological response as well as emotional response um, that mom does. And so in mom's body, when adrenaline's um, secreted and the cortisol levels go up in that fight or flight state, that temporary te fight or flight state, the blood is shunted away from the organs. It goes to the arms and legs getting ready to fight or run away from the saber toothed tiger, right? That's biologically, um, that response is wired into us for that fight or flight. Um, and then once that stressful moment is gone, things should come back to normal and blood flow goes back to the organs and, um, that stress, once it's gone, uh, those effects aren't in the body any longer. But what happened to the child and the baby in utero is that same thing, that as that stress hormone crosses the placenta and goes into the baby, their blood is shunted away from the organs and more towards the arms and legs. And their the brain function um, can change into a more stressed, survive-the-moment state rather than um, a more relaxed state. I'll talk about more, more about that in a second. But physiologically, that happens. Now, if you only, I mean, every parent's going to experience stress in their pregnancy, right? It's no, there's no way you can avoid an adrenaline rush for um, nine, 10 months, right? And it's fine, actually. It's, um, it's a good response for the baby to be able to have that as an experience and kind of in a um, repertoire be able to understand, okay, this is what stress is, is how my body adapts to it. Now it's over and great. The problem is if you have chronic unrelenting stress, um, whether it's low grade or especially if it's high grade stress, then the mama's body is basically in fight or flight the entire time or more than not. And so while her physiology is being affected, so is babies. The problem is for with mama is if there's more blood being shunted to the arms and legs, that's less going to the organs and the uterus is the most important organ that we want really good blood flow and that's going to affect baby as well. So we've seen that in studies where moms that were more under chronic unrelenting stress throughout their pregnancy or um, very big 
traumas with the death of a loved one, um, car accidents, those kind of things, they'll have lower birth weight babies. But on a chronic unrelenting stress sense, then the baby also is having more of that blood shunted away from the organs. And so when they're coming into the world, they're having more digestive issues. They're having more elimination issues because the gut as they were developing in utero, wasn't getting as much of the blood flow as it normally would in a relaxed state. So we see that physiologically. Um, but then also, and this was something that um, having a conversation with Dr. Bruce Lipton enlightened me too, is that that blood flow and brainwave patterns, and that's what I wanted to come back to, put, when we're in fight or flight, the frontal cortex basically shuts down. Reasoning, um, expansion, empathy really isn't being queued up at all. We're in the reptilian brain and the hind brain. We're just to survive the moment and, and reactive and um, trying to re um, just react to that stress. And so if the baby's doing the same thing, day after day, week after week, month after month in utero, then the baby's brain is going to be more developed in the hindbrain rather than the frontal brain. And he says that, you know, intelligence, um, emotional intelligence, as well as academic intelligence can be affected because the frontal cortex isn't getting the same blood flow in these critical periods of in utero of the brain being developed. And so that's even more of a call for parents to really, sh I want to say shelter, but, you know, protect baby in the same way that you would once baby is in the world as being in utero of really controlling the stress and adapting to the stresses that are um, part of life, but could also be um, just controlled better in the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I I really like how it, there's the, the double benefit of it also causes moms to take care, better care of themselves <laughs> because yes. their baby's environment. And so their stress levels are more mindful. It's a more mindful pregnancy. I'm going to have to take a quick break. But when you come back, I want us to focus on what are those things that moms can do to have that prenatal bonding, um, not just on the scare, but even of, of, of like, oh, I don't want my baby to be stressed, but even more of a benefit for bonding and how that it, it what the studies show about it um, affecting or improving babies and moms and parents bonding once they are born. Um, so, okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Did you know that even though most expectant moms plan to breastfeed, the majority aren't really adequately prepared to get off to a good start? That is why world-renowned breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher have created their fabulous quick start video that gives you everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Best of all, it's free. How awesome is that? Through their quick start video, you'll learn a simple technique that prevents nipple pain. You'll also find about the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well as the best way to produce enough milk for your baby. These things will set you well on your way to a blissful breastfeeding relationship. And did I mention that it's free? Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we are back and we're talking with Dr. Jay Warren about prenatal bonding. So Jay, tell me about what are some of those things that moms can do and parents can do to in 
increase and strengthen that bonding um, with their kiddos before they're born. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that too, of like parents as well as moms. There's a whole world um, that dads can really be involved in. And there's studies that show how important dad's role is in that. I, I definitely want to speak to that. As a dad myself, you know, there's definitely times where we feel a little less involved, a little less that, you know, it's not really up to us, whether it's with breastfeeding or, you know, obviously a pregnancy. But there's a lot that can be done to um, help help our kiddos health as especially with their emotional well-being too but so the things that I'll describe is for all parents to do rather than it just being the moms and as I was saying before I at least the um, the population that I work with prenatally they're, they're taking really good care of themselves physically and nutritionally um, we can always use some tweaks around you know what foods might be best, you know, especially if the first trimester is difficult, you might resort to some comfort foods because of the nausea. Um, but all in all, like the women that I'm working with are taking really good care of themselves physically and that they're making sure they're moving, they're making sure they're exercising well. Um, but as far as prenatal bonding, there's some really simple techniques uh, that can be done on a daily basis, if not on a um, fairly regular basis, that will be very calming one for mom as well as for the baby. And there have been, there's actually a recent article that came out recently showing how if in a stressful time, obviously not in the moment, but um, outside of that, that one of the best things you can do to calm baby down is to talk to the baby. And for some moms, that's completely intuitive and they do it all the time. And for other parents, that seems weird <laughs> to talk to their baby, um, especially out loud. Um, but, you know, I when some moms are maybe not objecting, but that seems kind of far-fetched for them. I remind them of that Dr. Seuss anecdotal story around that reading a certain book to a baby, they respond to it and they remember it. Um, I also tell the stories, both Dr. Uh, Michelle O'Donnell and Penny Simpkin said the same thing about singing to the baby in utero is so powerful. And it's a really simple way of bonding with baby throughout the pregnancy and that, um, that melody, those words, the feeling that you have when you're singing, be it a lullaby or a favorite song that you have um, that you're sharing with baby, the repetition of that, singing it like every day, um, baby's hearing that. The vibrations are through mom's vocal cords as well as through the air going through the belly. The baby's hearing and are patterning into, and especially if mom's singing that, typically you're going to sing a lullaby at a more peaceful time rather than in traffic on the way to work, um, is a cue for the baby to be in, become a relaxed, in a more relaxed state. So what both um, Penny Simkin and Dr. Michelle O'Donnell were saying is that those moms that did that throughout their pregnancy, when baby came into the world, whether that was right at the birth or in the weeks afterwards when baby was having a difficult time, um, singing that song really soothed them much more than just any song. There was something about that particular song that they chose to, um, that really cued the baby to, this is a peaceful time. There's a relaxing time. Oh, there's that song that mom and dad used to sing to me and they feel more safe and nurtured. So as far as, um, different ways of bonding with the baby, it really 
it really can be done through voice in that way. Um, whether it's, um, singing to the baby, I think is one of the best things. And I know as a parent, I found myself after the fact or when I was putting Nico down to sleep or trying to soothe him, I tended to sing the same songs, you know, the mm-hmm. ones I liked. And, um, I found that when I started singing that song, Nico would, uh, would calm down in that way. Um, the other technique that I teach mamas a lot too is, um, something I call follow the leader. <laughs> and it's, you know, when baby's pushing around and poking and prodding and kicking and in, in the belly, um, the follow the leader game I like uh, to teach them is basically just when baby's like kicking or poking in some area, she takes her hand and kind of pats that area and says, okay, I feel you. I hear you. You know, I, I see that you're there. And especially if <laughs> the kicks are really uncomfortable, it's like, hey, 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 okay, I feel you. you don't have to poke me so hard. And it's an That's acknowledgement. That's my rib, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, Get out of my rib. That's my bladder. Get out of off of that too. Um, really communicating in that way way of, okay, like I hear you, please calm down, you know, and they, babies will hear you. I mean, that research that Appa put out is really showing that they can respond. Um, so the follow the leader part then changes in that as you're doing that, what's fun is to then switch the game of then mama or daddy can poke on the belly in another place and see if baby starts following them around, seeing if they'll start like poking the area that mom or dad pokes on the belly. And it's a way of playing. It's a way of acknowledging that this baby is here. It's a way of acknowledging mom and dad, like spending special time um, together and that in and of itself is going to produce in mom and dad while they're doing that a more relaxed state, a different hormonal state within mama that's going to flood into baby, let alone if it's on this like conscious psychological um, uh, level, it's going to affect the hormonal state, which will then help baby in that way. So I believe it definitely helps in an emotional state, but at the very least on a hormonal sense, mama's more relaxed um, singing these songs or, or just kind of playing father leader or um, really just acknowledging baby throughout the day. Yeah. And in that concept of or the idea of actually making it more real or making making especially I find for dads they tend to have more of a disconnect on how real the baby is or, or get pregnancy becomes real a little later because obviously it's not inside their body they don't have you know somebody kicking that yes. <laughs> or making them go to the bathroom every 20 minutes um mm-hmm. but having something like this especially if yeah, I like that but with the follow of their leader if you see baby become a game and then push back you're it's gonna become way more real that there is a person in there that's actually interacting with you through this belly right and then that family bond can be really created even before baby comes into the world right whether that's you know the parents already have children and this is a second or third or fourth baby or if it's, it is the first one it's it's really creating a family bond right from the get go because it's there it's just we want to strengthen it it's there we just want to acknowledge it and that's um by doing these simple little things to be able to you know as you said, you know, moms have baby growing inside them day to day. They're feeling changes, some good, some uncomfortable. Um, but you know, they're really participating and understanding, okay, baby's really growing. Oh, I ate this food and it's 
making baby respond this way, or I had this stressful day and, you know, baby's really kicking around and everything. Acknowledging that the baby's conscious, acknowledging that the baby's responding to their environment and just even keeping that in mind will make the pregnancy that much more healthy because then you're looking at what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, you're, you're evaluating at it in a, at a higher level, which will make a huge difference, whether that's, you know, going to a movie that's like a stressful, like shoot 'em up type of movie, like understanding like, right, your baby's not watching it with their, with their eyes, but being subjected to the loud sounds, the stress that you might feel in a chase scene or a suspenseful scene like that hormonally is affecting your baby. Is that something that you want to do? And they can make it, parents can then make a, a different choice. Yeah. And this can be such a powerful tool, even more so for when it's not the first baby, when it's second or third, whatever, because usually when it's just, you know, you don't have any kids and it's just you and your partner and the baby's inside, you tend to pay way more attention and be more, (laughs) more anxious and and also more excited and, you know, buy more stuff or whatever it is and and read more articles and listen to more podcasts for that first one. But when the second one comes along, your attention is so much taken up by the first one that I find as a doula, I, I, I get repeat clients that are telling me, oh, I'm feeling, you know, third trimester, I'm feeling everything aches. And I don't feel like I've had time to connect with this baby because I'm running around after the toddlers. And so this could be a great way for them to have that simple connection, mindful connection with the kiddo that's inside. Right. And even if it is just even at the end of the day, you know, before you're falling asleep, that spending a couple of minutes and really connecting in with baby, whether it's the you know, the, um, the techniques and the programs that I've developed or whether it's just, you know, saying hi, uh, it'll make a huge difference, especially in the busyness that so many of our parents are in, you know, it's, if you've had, um, I just have one son, but, um, for those parents that have multiples, like even when they're, when they're both here, parents will say like, oh my gosh, like, Johnny's like totally acting out because I mean, I haven't been able to spend that much time with him this weekend. I'm really going to spend some extra time with him, connect up and maybe dad will take the other kiddo. And, you know, we see that or, or parents understand that when they're both here, but acknowledging that that might be needed as well in utero, I think starts that precedence that much um, sooner. And at the very least, like doing those things at the end of the day calms mom and calms dad. And it's kind of a special little time for, you know, put all the to-do lists away, get ready for sleep and just kind of bond in this way of reading a book to baby or singing a song. And for some parents, you know, that's kind of hokey or seems weird. And maybe for a dad that little outside his comfort zone, but, you know, understanding how impactful this can be for the growth and the development of their babies and their, the health of their baby um, once they come in really allows dad to step in a, in a different way. There's a study that um, was looking at psychological factors and which ones were most influential um, on outcomes for the baby. And it didn't mean necessarily their psychological profile later on in life, whether they became president or, you know, um, you know, wasn't successful. It was more of temperament, 
excuse me, temperament um, in the first year, whether they were colicky, whether they were um, having like physical discomfort, how easily they were soothed, those kind of things. And the number one psychological factor, obvious, was mom's attitude towards the pregnancy. It was, was mom excited about the pregnancy? Was she a little wary of it? Was, um, what, had she been anticipating getting pregnant, was super excited for it? Or was this kind of a surprise and maybe an unwanted surprise? That was definitely the most dominant one that shaped those things. But number two was mom's relationship with dad. And it takes, it takes a step to understand that with, the relationship that mom's having with dad um, or the partner, you know, this study was specifically looking at um, male, female, but that environment prenatally, if dad is involved, dad's excited, dad's going to prenatal um, appointments, dad's shopping as well, dad's reading books, dad's um, singing songs, those kind of things, like that environment is going to be much more peaceful and happy and that baby is going to be marinated in that experience the whole time versus if there's a, if there's conflict um, within the relationship. One of the, um, one of the things they said is that the father's absence prenatally really took a toll on this um, um, on the cohort that went forward. Those kids were having a lot more focus problems, um, acting out, um, and that meant if either the father died during the pregnancy tragically, or uh, there was a rift in the relationship and, and dad just left. Um, but on a lower level of things, if dad's a little uneasy about things and maybe not so sure about being a parent and um, not and maybe is excited to be a dad and has always wanted it but just being unsure of whether he's going to be able to do that that is something that could be worked on with mom and with dad to kind of process through because we all have those fears you know no matter how good you think you're going to be as a parent there's always days where you were <laughs> not a great parent and you wish you could do better but having that environment of dad being involved loving caring um, for mom then allows mom to be feel more safe more relaxed more nurtured and then that affects the baby and so it's it's one of those things where you know kind of seeing these extreme examples in these research studies of you know these are babies born to loving parents versus this is a baby born to uh, a mom where um, the husband was killed at month four those are extreme but it allows the conversation to be like all right how involved am i how can i get more involved and uh, for the good of my kiddo and I can see how that sets the stage as well for postpartum and it makes it less of a shock because once the kid, once baby is born, you have to follow their leads a lot. Your your life revolves around their tummy and their waking patterns and their rhythms. So maybe starting to tune in to those rhythms while pregnancy is going on can make the transition easier. Absolutely. And that is a big transition for, for all parents, but especially for dads where um, that rhythm, you know, that three, four hour cycle when it comes around, like one, it becomes like Groundhog Day, you know, where it's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> but the more you tune in with it and can um, one, see the rhythm and see the pattern and acknowledge it and work with it rather than struggling against it makes everybody in the household um, happier. And so I agree that instead of starting that when baby comes home from the hospital or, or wherever baby is born, um, but doing it beforehand um, 
starts that whole process that much um, sooner and then allows that rhythm, which definitely becomes more intense and more um, taxing when baby actually does arrive, um, to be that much easier because you're already used to kind of surrendering to that. And um, that bond is so strong that then... Uh, it just becomes a part of family life rather than, you know, a little bit of those feelings of like, oh my gosh, this baby's taken over our lives. Is that okay? You know, of course, parents, they're, they will say, no, it's all great. It's all for the baby. But inside, they're, they need to be taken care of too. And so this is a great baby care, but also a self-care for mom doing these processes in utero, but then also a self-care for the relationship of mom and dad to be able to do these things together, singing to the baby, reading, um, just kind of acknowledging baby's existence before they're born that allows that bond to be really strong so that it's that much easier to withstand the challenges, especially the first couple of weeks and uh, three months can be. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I don't lie to the parents that I take care of oh, here. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful and it's exciting and it's, oh my gosh, the baby's finally here. This is so great. And the other end of it is like, oh my God, this is so hard. And is it ever going to end? And, you know, am I ever going to take a shower again? All those kind of things. It's hard. And, yeah. you know, it's, that's, it, it gets better it's, um, it's hard. It, you're going to lose sleep. Um, it's, it's something to get through. Um, but the better prepared you are for going in and the stronger that the bond is for everyone to, um, work within it will make that postpartum that much easier and then just make family life better. Absolutely. Jay, I read that uh, during your postpartum chiropractic sessions, you used to talk to the moms about only to the moms about their birth experience. And now after the, you know, getting more into this, the perinatal and prenatal psychology of babies, you are also listening to what babies have to say about their birth experience. How do you do that? Yeah, it's definitely a, a new, um, it's something that Appa opened my eyes to. And it, it, again, it just totally made sense that, you know, the birth a birth trauma or a birth experience. It doesn't have to be traumatic. It was definitely experienced by the mom. And that's a lot of what the initial consultation is like. How long was labor? How did it progress? What was um, the delivery like? All those kind of things. Um, but the baby went through that as well. And especially understanding that baby is conscious in the womb, they're having a physical as well as an emotional experience um, coming into the world. And so some of my mentors within the APA program who are body workers and work with babies and work with postpartum moms as well have been training me on instead of in a newborn exam, um, just doing, you know, the physical neurological checks and me checking their spine and doing the unwinding work that I do that will release those stress patterns in their body. But, you know, instead of just getting the birth history from mom, I'm actually having a conversation with the baby as well. And obviously the baby's not <laughs> talking back to me, you know, this morning, I, for example, this little baby Jackson came in, he was six weeks old. He, um, had a really long, difficult labor. Um, mom labored for 40 hours, uh, wasn't progressing, did Pitocin, um, was stuck in the birth canal for a number of hours with a lot of pushing and, and eventually had a C-section. And mom told me this story and even had photos of when he was born. His head was really elongated, just a lot of cranial molding from being stuck in the canal. And 
bruising over the brow because he was kind of being pushed into the pelvis and it really wasn't opening enough. And this little kiddo was brought into me because he hasn't been feeding well. He hasn't slept for more than 45 minutes. He's shrieking for most of the day, um, most of the night, and he's just really uncomfortable. And so chiropractically, I'm looking at his spine and his atlas was definitely misaligned and we wanted to correct that so his nervous system can calm. But part of me then after talking with mom and bringing him onto the table, the first part was, you know, just acknowledging him as a little person and saying, you know, Jackson, is it okay if I do an adjustment with you? And if there's anything that you want to tell me about the birth, you, you let me know. And talking with them in the same voice that I am now, rather than in like, you know, goo goo gaga type of languaging, that's just how I speak with kids. Um, but it's acknowledging the being that is there in the room of the baby, you know, and they're, you know, in some extent, they are just little blobs and they're just pooping and eating and sleeping, hopefully, and sometimes crying a lot. But, you know, acknowledging the being that is there and he himself, and I told mom before I was going to start working on him, is that if there's something around the birth that was stressful, like he will show that to me. And especially if I ask him, and that might mean they start fussing or crying. What I see too is when they're doing that, they'll go into positions that shows me where the distortion is in their body. Physically, they'll move and it'll show their heads really tilted to the side. And so I know that is an area um, to look at. But sometimes they just need to express the emotion of that, of being frustrated, of like, yeah, I was trying to get this birth canal and I couldn't make it. And the uterus is still pushing me there. And I knew I was going to go, but I was being forced to anyway. And I'm kind of mad about it, you know? And that kind of conversation like seems kind of silly and hokey to some parents and some parents when they see their baby contorting into the position like oh my gosh that's the position baby was in right when um she came into the world like that's exactly the posture they were in or they'll look and be like you know that's the way i felt um this baby was inside me during the labor that just you know occiput posterior and the baby was really tucked and so it's another level of the work that I'm doing with these babies to, you know, just acknowledge the experience that they've gone through. And it doesn't mean that every single baby is going to have a quote conversation with me around that, but I just want to provide the space for that to be expressed. And once it's expressed, it can be um, eliminated that much quicker as far as a stress pattern goes. And that's really what I'm doing with the kiddos is releasing stress tension patterns in their body, doing unwinding work neurologically and spinally to help them get rid of that stress that's getting in the way of them being calm and balanced and healthy. And so, you know, going back to little Jackson, I mean, adjustment wise, his atlas was really misaligned. Everything else was really fine in his spine. Um, his head, the cranial molding had come back and his cranial bones were fine, but the atlas being so misaligned, as soon as I found the spot and was able to do this really light touch, it's, a um, and the amount of pressure that you would put on a closed eyelid, it's very gentle. It's not the cracking and popping adjustments that most people think of chiropractic. But once that spot was held, he was kind of moving around and just a little fussy and everything, but it was like a switch <laughs> hit him. And once his nervous system felt where balance was, where, you know, his body wants to be, he was just instantly relaxed. And he kind of showed me where he needed to do. Obviously, like I have, you know, training as a pediatric chiropractor to find where misalignments are independent of that. But now just having a an extra level of acknowledgement and uh, having the space of like, show me where, 
the tension is that I can help you with and allowing them to express themselves in that way. Um, even if mom and dad in the room are kind of wondering like, what's going on in this room? Why is he talking in that way? It, it plants a seed for baby and for the family to kind of take a new step and, and really incorporate that part into their own lives. Mm, and I love how, it also allows for observation of baby because if you're tuning in in that way, a respectful way and talking to them and having them say, hey, show me, you are observing different. And I think, yes, parents might not be able to do that for a chiropractic adjustment, but they might be able to take it in in terms of paying attention to their baby's hunger cues or paying attention to the baby's sleep cues or fussy cues because babies are trying to tell you they right. are trying to tell you their discomfort so it, it's it, it brings an awareness of observing and paying attention that is different and again it goes back to what we we're talking about rhythms but it, uh, adds another layer to it yeah and especially that um just as you said around you know, not jumping in too fast. I mean, this is, is this talking about, say, like the baby starts crying and jumping in too fast right away and reacting to, oh, the baby's crying and needs this, is taking a breath. It might be just even like one breath or two to say like, all right, what is what does baby need right now? And that physically can be just an observation of like, oh, baby's too hot. And, you know, taking off some of the clothes or checking the diaper and being like, okay, we need to change the diaper, those kind of things. But it, it gives a moment of pause to observe and take in. And in that moment of pause, it allows baby to be a part of the equation as well, rather than just kind of automatically as a parent with a newborn going through the list, like, all right, too hot, too cold, change diaper, hungry, tired. Okay. Those are the only things. Now what, you know? And like, well, baby might need some loving, you know, just need to like cuddle up and, um, it might be the diaper, it might be, um, clothes, but it's allowing moms and dads that beat to, you know, respond rather than react. And we, that's going back to the whole fight or flight or rest and digest type of, um, patterning, but then also like baby to be part of the equation as well. Mm-hmm. Date, do you have, we talked about bonding during the, during the pregnancy and we talked a bit of things to do afterwards. Is there something else that, that you wanted to make sure you didn't forget <laughs> as we're starting to wrap up? Well, I guess the, the thing that I would say wrapping up is to these new parents, whether, you know, it's, you know, you're, it's, you're still pregnant and waiting for the birth or, you know, have a new baby in your arms, maybe listening to this while we're talking is, you know, just it's, you don't have to react as much as you might think. It might seem immediate right away, but if you do take a couple beats and um, really re respond rather than react, it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for baby. Um, especially if you're first time around. I mean, I remember being a new parent. Uh, I obviously have like tons of clinical experience working with little kiddos for my whole career for over 20 years, but it's different when it's your own little one and it's two in the morning and they're crying, right? You, you go into a fight or flight stage there and the more you can do to um, slow yourself down to just know like, okay, it's going to be all right. Like, let's just figure things out the better. And that also, and you had mentioned this earlier too, that I wanted to um, take a, 
a moment on is self-care, you know, for moms to really take care of themselves as well as babies when they come, um, for dads to do the same thing, you know, that might be needing a like five minute break, just going for a walk around the block once to kind of get out of the moment so you can come back in a little more relaxed and, um, really taking care of yourself allows you to take care of your family better. Mm-hmm. Are there any um, resources that you really love for or could recommend for pay, for new and expectant parents to learn more about this prenatal bonding? Yeah, I mean, the, the APA website is fantastic. It's birthpsychology.org. Um, it has amazing resources, um, articles, as well as um, different references as well. Um, one of the great books that I've loved is by uh, Dr. Thomas Verney. It's uh, he's the one that started APA. It's a secret life of the unborn child, and it really goes into a lot of details around this as well. Um, and then I've also developed my own programs, kind of what we were talking about as far as uh, prenatal bonding and tips and tools. Um, really, kind of a course to go over different ways of creating that um, that experience. You can find those resources on my website and. And um, really just put the, putting those things to use, whether it's educating yourself about it through these websites or having a course and tips and techniques to do on a day-to-day basis is, is really what I think is so important for these kiddos coming in. Because these kids that are coming into the world right now, like we have such an opportunity to have them, if they come into the world safer, they come into the world healthier, then they can get right to the work that they were coming in here to do. Um, whether it's just enjoying life or being a positive force of change in this world that needs it so much, rather than them coming into the world broken and stressed and with these health challenges and spending a lot of time, energy, and money um, trying to help repair those injuries or that damage and then getting onto it later on in life. So I really encourage parents to just, you know, be active, get informed. They're already listening to this amazing podcast that you have and with all the great guests that you have. And again, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of it um, to just, you know, find out more information to be that much a better parent and for the baby to be that much, um, you know, loved and nurtured um, right from the start. Mm, absolutely. And I am going to, on the show notes, I'll link through to obviously your website and, and, and what you mentioned, um, but give the listeners your website and how they can connect to you for those who are not going to look at the show notes. Sure, sure. So my website is drjwarren.com. It's D-R-J-A-Y Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N.com. If you want to um, find out specifics about this topic, about connecting with baby, you can go to um, drjwarren.com slash either connecting with baby uh, or slash CWB, which stands for connecting with baby, if you don't want to write it all out. But That'll funnel you into this information around the prenatal psychology and the perinatal psychology and the the courses that I teach. Yay. Awesome. And also, while we were talking, I was reminded of the podcast I did with Karen Strange on baby's birth experience. Oh, she's beautiful. She has great uh, work. So fabulous. That one's a really good one. That was one of my first ones, and it's still one of my favorites. And also with Penny Simpkins on singing to your baby and connecting with your baby. So if people want to learn more, there's plenty of links and to go to your website and, and check out your course. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. And I, I really, again, want to circle back around to how valuable uh, your podcast one has been to me, just, um, you know, the information I learned from being a listener, but then also being able to refer my parents uh, to yours as well, because, you know, once they go through our episodes on my podcast, uh, then they want to have more and uh, people have loved yours as well. So thank you for that. Yay. And thank you for sending them my way. And likewise, I send them to yours. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all this great information today, Jay. And thank you. It's been my pleasure. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. And if you're pregnant, don't forget to grab my Birth Partners Ultimate Labor Support Toolkit at birthful.com toolkit. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>